Welcome, beautiful thinkers. So I'd like to present this interview with Victoria Abdel-Nur, who trained as a medical doctor, but eventually realized that the methods that they were teaching or the mentality that they had towards healing was insufficient to provide long-lasting, long-term results. They started looking at alternative healing methods and one key method that she uses is the Isha system and also T.L. Swan's completion process, looking at people as emotional beings and looking how they can improve their emotional health in order to impact their, their physical health and also other, other aspects of health. So we're going to get into that. If you want to check out the website, it's victoriaabdelnour.com. So Victoria Abdelnour, Abdelnour is spelled A-B-D-E-L-N-U-R. You can check out her website and look at her services on there. And of course, have a look at my website or <laughs> subscribe on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts to A Beautiful Thought so you can keep downloading those juicy episodes and enjoying this the meditation and the, the happiness and observing different aspects of your life with me together. <laughs> Let's begin. This is a beautiful thought. I'm here with Victoria Abdelnour. And she's going to tell us a story about addiction and about self-knowledge and, and about <laughs> healing and triumph. How are you, Victoria? I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> so the story begins when you're in a period of your life and you just wake up feeling exhausted every day. What, what do those days look like? Um, I will wake up really late. Hmm. <laughs> like at 10 and I wouldn't want to get out of bed and I check my schedule to see if I have a obligatory class in university because I was studying medicine mm -hmm. well they were all like I went to all of the classes anyway but if I had one then I would wake up if I didn't then I would stay longer in bed and um, then I would take uh, like three or four pills. Hmm. Um, they had amphetamines, um, thyroid uh, hormones, and all kinds of oh diuretics. Okay. Yeah. Why? Why that stuff? Because it was for losing weight, and then I also realized it helped me be more awake and have more energy. Taking diuretics, didn't it? Or the amphetamines? Well, the diuretics uh, take away the excess water in your body so you feel thinner. Mm. It's awful for mm. your body. Yeah. It would uh, lower my blood pressure and I would uh, lose consciousness several times per wow. week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And how did you, like, how do you rationalize that? Like, or maybe you. It didn't even occur to you that the diuretics were the reason that you were fainting. Oh, I knew very well it was the reason. Okay. Well, what did you think about it? 
I thought it was a smile price to pay for wow. having energy and looking thinner. Okay. But <laughs> you have energy, like on one side you, you have energy, but really you don't have energy. That's why you're fainting. Like um, <laughs> these extremes would, of... Yeah, yeah, it was side effects, right? Mm. Uh, I would have energy, but then sometimes I would faint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you... you Stayed on this this course of medicine for I mean the the, the pills rather. <laughs> they were given by a doctor, by the way. Right. Okay. Was he a good doctor in hindsight? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it happens a lot of times. You go to see a doctor and they just they give you pills because either they think that's what you want, or because they truly believe that that's going to make a person better. I think it was his business model. Just mm -hmm. to give pills for women that want to lose weight. And mm -hmm. he knew. He knew everything. But it was just money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so what, what happened? Like you continued, with, you continued like that for months, I imagine, and kept fainting. And, and for years. Years. I took them like nine years. Wow. Okay. All, all this combination. Yeah, okay. What was the, the thyroid hormones? What was that about? Well, they, they uh, speed up metabolism. Ah, okay. I see. All right. All right. And what's the side effect there? Uh, nervousness. Hmm. Uh, you can have arrhythmias. Heart, hmm. like heart, the beat of the heart goes irregular, hmm. which is really not good. Hmm. Um... You cannot sleep. Mm. Yeah, you're very thirsty. Um, it could provoke that your own uh, gland doesn't work so well in the future. Mm. No. Okay, because you get dependent on it, so the, the gland starts saying, "Oh, I guess I don't need to produce anymore." Exactly. Yeah, and then it's out of the habit. Yes. Mm, okay, and it's, it's. I think I've read that somewhere, like. It's normally very hard to pin down the cause of anxiety, but one one of the biological causes or physiological causes that they determine is uh, hypothyroidism. So yeah. it would make sense that you take these thyroid hormones and it makes you feel anxious. Yes, yeah. that would be correct. Right, I see. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> good to hear that, uh, you know, I know what I'm talking about from a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what... What happened, like, uh, you're, you're still studying at university, like, are you doing well at university? I was very good at university, it was easy for me, but uh, I had emotional problems. Hmm. I was depressed, I was um, obsessed about certain things, uh, men, uh, weight, uh, looks, hmm. um, Friends, if, if, if people liked me or not. Hmm. Uh, and that took a lot of energy out of me. So it was hard for me to concentrate. Um, and I just didn't have, like, uh, it was hard for me to get out of the house. I didn't want to. I was depressed. Hmm. Um, where was I going? <laughs> How do you manage to... to do well at university if you don't even want to leave the house? Yeah, good question. 
Um, I don't know. I, it was always uh, easy for me to understand things quickly and to put things together, you know, connect dots mm. that maybe other people didn't. And, and I invented, uh, I went and did a course on how to study quicker, mm. quicker and read quicker. Okay. And how to make good notes. And uh, I would, uh, I always like to research. So I used a lot of books from different sources and apps and uh, internet and, uh, and always wanted to be able to explain to patients in a way that they would understand. So mm. when you have to make a subject easier, you really have to understand it. Yes. Uh, the, then it would, my problems would make it uh, slower because I would be tired and I wanted to sleep or I was crying or I was going to therapy or so that would make it slower. I, and it compensated. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So because you, because you knew so much about learning, you could overcome the deficiencies caused by these prescription medications. Exactly. Mm, right. And the, and yeah. the medication also yes. gave me energy so I could right. study more hours. Okay, yeah, makes sense. So so the amphetamines, like, in the end, do you think the amphetamines helped your, your studies, even though they obviously had some, a lot of downsides? I'm not sure. I mean, if you, if you take into account all the side effects... I think it's like the same. Finally, it's the same. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So at what point did you decide, like, there's something wrong with the way I'm living? Or did you decide that? Um, well, because I was feeling so afraid every time I would travel. I love traveling. And every time I would travel, I would uh, be afraid that I would run out of pills. Hmm. What am I going to do if I don't have the pills? And um, what if I don't find a doctor again? What if I... So I felt uh, dependent. Hmm. And then I think a friend uh, mentioned that I was... I, I talked a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Well, that definitely happens with amphetamine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... Uh, it was just like I wasn't happy, hmm. and I was dependent on pills, and I knew that was un unhealthy. Hmm. And how do you know you're not happy? Um, I felt alone. I felt misunderstood. I, I I couldn't communicate well with my relatives and friends, and I felt hmm. very alone. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, disconnected from right. other people. And yeah, that's how I saw I was. Hmm. And so, I didn't want to, like, I did, it was hard for me to uh, find motivation to get out of bed. You hmm. know, I wasn't in love with my life. I gave uh, belly dance classes right. at the same time. And that basically saved my life because wow. it made me happy. But I had to force myself to do it. And my students were like always asking for more classes. So that oh. made me come out of bed. And after <laughs> I danced, I felt good. Why um, does that make you feel good? 
it's just fun, it's beautiful, you feel good, you feel pretty, um, you connect with your body, you, uh, I would come out of my head and mm. into my body. And just the physical movement is also healthy because it secretes endorphins and oxytocin, and decreases stress, it's fun, and you're not overthinking, you're just doing with your body, so that's very healthy. Mm. Yeah. So that all right. So you you knew you weren't happy. You knew you knew it was hard. But, but I, I I have to wonder. Like I'm sure a lot of people in that situation, and may, maybe they just think, oh well, this is just what life is like. Just being <laughs> trying find finding it very hard to get out of bed. Maybe that's just what life is like. Like if they're working in you know nine nine to five nine to six grind, or going to university, and, and life is very demanding. So how do you think you, like, how do you think you noticed that something was wrong? Or what was, what was your mentality that, that helped you, <laughs> alert you to that, that there might be something, some other possibility? Oh my God, what a question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I was going to therapy. At some point I had two therapists. Hmm. And... Um, and I came back to certain subjects and mm. I was crying about them and I was, and this, uh, one of the psychologists would never, uh, give me the goodbye, uh, you know, it's like, you're ready, you're fine now, you're normal, you're healthy. She would never say that to me. She's like, oh, you need a lot of help. You mm. gotta keep coming. Um, yeah. so I had that feedback and um, okay. and I saw other people I observed other people they had more friends um, they had more um, they got together with their relatives and and I felt I was more isolated than normal mm. and uh, I was very sad because I broke up with a boyfriend that really really loved me and I was uh, really, really sad about that. Mm. Um, so for me, it was not acceptable. It was not an acceptable life. Yes. I thought this has to improve and I'm going to do anything I can to feel better. Mm. So what did you do? I did a lot of uh, alternative things. Yeah. I learned different types of meditation, uh, Reiki, massage, um, all kinds of alternative stuff. Uh, and I kept the things that were helping me and I discarded the things that didn't work. Hmm. So which things helped the most? Dance, yoga. Uh, when I was in crisis because my father got sick, uh, Reiki helped me. Hmm. Uh, massage. Anything that had to do with the body helped um, and then almost when I was about to graduate, like one year before graduation, uh, a friend of mine saw Isha Judd, nobody knows her, <laughs> uh, in the alternative TV program. And she said, hey, you're going to love this. You should do the workshop. And I was like, what's that? I had done already so many alternative things that I thought I was... 
advanced hmm. and I didn't need more things. Okay. And um, she insisted, my friend insisted and insisted that I should do this workshop and I was going to like it and so on. And so I... She'd already done the workshop. No. No. You okay. just thought I would like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. And she insisted so much that I finally went to the webpage and it was not a very good webpage. But the content was interesting. Uh-huh. It said it helps with addictions and with depression and with self-love and uh, consciousness and all the things that I wanted to develop. And it was very simple. It was like very to the point, not do- without dogma, without, it's just, it looked practical. Hmm. And I decided to do the workshop. Okay. At that point, were you still taking the pills? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And still just as heavily as, as previously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably right. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then I went to Buenos Aires and I did the workshop. Uh-huh. But well, where were you living previously? In La Plata. Oh, yes. There's 60 kilometers from Buenos Aires. Okay. Yeah. And I went to Buenos Aires, and I did the workshop. It's a two-day workshop, six hours each day. Mm. And I, first time I saw Isha come through, like she came from the back to towards the stage, and I felt like a wind coming, you know? Like it was like her energy was so big, I don't know, she, her presence. Mm. And, and she talked so clearly and with such sense of humor. And she made everything, all the alternative things that I had been learning were Mm. kind of confusing. You know, there's so much information like, oh, you got to wear purple clothes uh, because it's a, I don't know, a good color for the bad energies. And the other one says, no, you got to wear white. And the other says, you got to wake up and do the journaling. And then you got to use the arasoma. And then you got to do this. And then you, and then you get lost in all these things. (laughs) Sure. And Isha just gives you very clear instructions, very simple common sense steps to follow. Mm. And she taught me a type of meditation that was easy to do because I always felt I had ADD, like my mind is like all over the place and it was very hard for me to sit still, do like Zen meditation or, you know, Vipassana. It was torture for me I couldn't do it Hmm. and when I did the Isha meditation it was so easy and I started meditating and I started connecting with all the pain that I had inside like maybe a few weeks after I did the workshop I was meditating at home I could actually meditate alone at home amazing (laughs) And I was there and I started feeling pain in my chest and I got scared and I wrote one of the teachers and they said, oh, that's probably sadness. Hmm. Just put your attention there when you're meditating Yeah. and you'll probably cry and it will go away. <laughs> well, that sounds so, so simple. <laughs> right. Wait, what, what was different about the, the Judd meditation? The Isha Judd meditation. Yeah. 
Um, you don't need to force yourself for anything. You don't need to have a certain posture. You can do it laying down on your bed. Mm. So it's comfortable. Mm. Um, you can do it in the beach. You can do it sitting on a chair with your head, with your legs up. Mm -hmm. It's just super comfortable. Mm. Then you don't need to not have thoughts or to concentrate on something for a long amount of time. Mm. You just think a phrase and you put your attention in a part of your body and then you leave a free space in which you can have a lot of thoughts. Mm -hmm. So you can have, you, you can think about other people, about university, about whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you think this phrase again, very softly, very subtle, very uh, allowing. And then you put your attention in the body again, in a part of a specific part of the body. Mm -hmm. Then you let go. So you're not forcing your mind to concentrate or to be in silence. It's easy. Okay. Um, so it, do it doesn't like, you know, you're not trying to necessarily maintain your attention so much in the body or in this phrase. Like if other things come up, it's, it's perfectly fine. Exactly. I, but I like, is, is part of the object to not, get too involved in these thoughts or you just like see can, how they go and yeah. if you identify with them it's fine you yes see, see you can get involved you can hmm. you can go away with your thoughts for minutes hmm. and then you come back you're very gentle right because the, actually the more you want to you try to concentrate and control the mind the more the mind goes crazy especially mind hmm. and in this you just allow it Okay. And so softly the mind relaxes because it feels it has freedom, let's say. Yes. Yeah, well, I do think, like, there is that stereotype where, you know, there's some truth to it, where people say, ah, just try to clear your mind. And it's like, trying to clear your mind. I try to, trying to clear my mind, but that, that doesn't help to clear my mind. It's no, exactly. like, <laughs> trying to relax is a paradox. <laughs> so, relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why won't you stop thinking? Or like when people say, uh, don't think of a pink elephant. So don't, of course. This is the first thing you do. <laughs> so a lot of the time, this, this softer approach tends to be better, like allow, allowing things to happen, allowing things to pass, and perhaps even having that awareness like this will pass. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, that's one of the main factors why it's so easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened with your, your pain or your sadness? So I started feeling this pain and I did what the instructor told me, put your attention there in between the phrases mm. and I started crying mm. and then I felt better. Right. And I so also... simple as that. It was yeah. literally as simple as they as told you. As simple as they told me. Amazing. And... Um, so one of the components of the system is like meditation, then think these phrases during the day, mm -hmm. and that creates moments of mindfulness, moments of uh, being in the present moment during the day, mm. and feel your emotions without judging them, and do exercise every day. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was super hard to do exercise uh, apart from dancing, mm. so I hired a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And I had to get out because he came for me and I started exercising and um, drink a lot of water and speak your truth and be real. 
That's the issue system. And what happened is that in a, a month of practicing this, I started feeling, I started being becoming more conscious of what the pills were doing to me. Ah, okay. Because you were more aware of your body and, and your own thoughts. Yes. Hmm. And also I felt more energy, like natural energy. Hmm. It's very likely that my sadness that was there stored in my body yeah. was making me tired. Right. So when I started crying, I felt more natural energy. So I, it's kind of I felt that the pills were doing too much to me, like the effect was too strong. And so I naturally halved, made, made the doses halved. So instead mm -hmm. of taking uh, a whole pill, I started taking half, 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 half. Hmm. And I kept on going and I kept on practicing and I started going to the meetings that they organized and they asked me one of the most difficult questions at that time that was, how do you feel? <laughs> oh, just, just yes. to go back to something you talked about there. How does, like you said, that, that kind of, um, that natural energy started to be liberated How do you think the, the feeling compares with the artificial energy or the, like, the energy that comes from the drugs or from amphetamine or the, this thyroid stuff? Or <laughs> how, how, what's the difference in the sensation of that, those two kinds of energy or various kinds of energy, I suppose? Mm. Well, I don't know. It's artificial. You know that it comes from a substance and it will go up yeah. and then it will go down right and then when it goes down you feel terrible hmm. more tired than before okay so it is kind of like whenever you feel like that whenever you feel that kind of energy in the back of your mind you might be like well i know this is gonna, isn't gonna last right. it's not pure i guess <laughs> it's not whole and then i will feel worse hmm Instead, instead, the other is just natural. Yeah, hey, okay. just flows. I'll get out. Oh, I'll wash the dishes. Hmm. And, you know, it's going to be fine. It's natural. It's healthy. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't put me in trouble <laughs> because, yeah, I talked a lot when I was with amphetamines and I also drove not very uh, carefully. Uh -huh. So I had a couple of accidents. Right. So you had that sort of lack of self-control. It's like the drug takes over. That kind yeah, of thing. it was like impulsive and I didn't uh, see that I was going too fast maybe with the car. Hmm. Yeah. So you said they asked you how do you feel? And what, what did that provoke? Yeah, I, I had no idea how to answer that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, I think never... I, I, I've never had heard that question hmm. until then. And I was like 29. Hmm. Um, how do you feel? I had no idea how to answer. And I learned that I actually had emotions and, that I, and to distinguish the emotions in others hmm. uh, in those meetings. 
And it was very scary for me to show them in front of a group of people. So I had to overcome certain things. Mm-hmm. And But that helped me so much. Hmm. So you say that it's scary to show them. What do you suppose you, you, your thought process was in those moments? Like people are going to judge me or like it's unclean to have emotions. So what, what, what would it be like? I was so scared of mm. showing my emotions uh, to other people. I thought it was just not even conscious how much fear I had mm. of showing myself because I thought it was wrong. It was wrong to be weak. Ah, so, okay, interesting. So, so ha- having emotions is, is weak and showing them is weak. Yeah, okay. And it's like... And, sh- and showing weakness is bad as well. That's yes, and no one's going to yeah. love me mm. if I'm weak. And, ah, okay. And also there was another fear and it was... I think that I have so much emotion and I'm going to start crying in front of people and then I'm going to go into a hole Hmm. and into depression and who's going to take me out of there. Hmm. So I didn't want to even start. Wow. Okay. That's really daunting. (laughs) (laughs) Going to that black hole and you might never come out. Yeah. It was that sensation. You know, if I start really feeling everything, I'm going to go down and who's going to pick me up. So, in some form, you, you did, like, bring up the courage to show your emotions. Yes, because I felt so unhappy that I... And I had two therapists already. Hmm. And I still felt so unhappy. So, I was like, okay, whatever helps me, okay? Like, <laughs> So, it was like this kind of rock bottom moment. Like, I will try anything. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Interesting. So, what uh, what was the result of that? Like, I, I suppose you expressed some emotions, um, you know, maybe healthy, unhealthy ways, and and you saw that actually, well, the world doesn't end when <laughs> when I show my emotions. It was very interesting because it was the opposite. Hmm. When I started showing my emotions and being authentic, people liked me more and connected. <laughs> yeah, and people connected wow. with me more. <laughs> yeah. And then I started relating better to other people. People were feeling more connected to me and I felt less alone. And, and actually, some of my relatives that never wanted to see me, they were always busy, hmm. uh, would invite me to dinner and or oh we want to see you come here we have dinner or we have i don't know a family meeting and i was so surprised <laughs> because they before they were always busy they didn't want to see me hmm. and now they did so somehow even, even though you didn't talk to them that much somehow they picked up that you were starting to change yes i was more positive happier I was more authentic and sincere. Hmm. I didn't even know I wasn't sincere before. (laughs) Um, But the insincerity was like you you didn't want to show what you really felt. Yeah. Yeah. And also I wasn't even aware of what I really felt. Hmm. I wanted to show a mask to be loved and that didn't allow for connection, for real connection. Yeah. 
well, it's so funny that we can <laughs> like come up with this model of the world where we need to, need to pretend to be something else. <laughs> All people ever really wanted was you. They wanted you as you were in, in whatever form. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah, what happened after that? And then I... I lowered the doses of the pills more and more, and mm. I also had other pills that I took on medication for different physical symptoms that I had. I had gastritis, mm. I had uh, gallbladder inflammation usually, so I had pills for that, and uh, then I didn't have the symptoms anymore. Mm. So I stopped taking those pills. And then at some point, I felt so much better that I decided instead of doing my normal career, the medical career where you go to the hospital and you do the specialization in the hospital, mm -hmm. I thought, hey, I really want to do this because this has been more effective for my health than everything else my professors <laughs> gave me in university. Right. So I want to learn this as deep as I can and give it to my patients. Right. And so I made a decision to do the training for the Isha system to do a, it was almost like a monastery at that time. You had to leave everything behind and you have to dedicate yourself completely to this, um, to be a teacher. Uh, but I thought, okay, that's okay. I'll do it. And if it's uh, useful, then I'll teach it. Hmm. And it's going to be more useful than maybe what I learned in university. Hmm. And um, I have some questions. Yeah. So, uh, when you went off the drugs, like, did you experience withdrawal symptoms, or the fact that you uh, gradually reduced it meant you didn't have to worry so much about it? When I gradually reduced it, I didn't feel bad. I felt good. I felt okay. Yeah. So you just kept, kept reducing then, it like every week. And but, just, yes, yeah. but there was a moment in which I didn't want to let them go completely because I was afraid. Of oh. gaining weight yeah. and not having any energy. Um, and at that time, I had a boyfriend who did the same, practiced the same system as me. Hmm. And he said, you know, you got to let go of that. And he took all my pills and threw that on the toilet. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh my God, because I was psychologically addicted to them. Yes. And I was like, oh, no, nobody's going to love me. I'm going to gain weight and this is going to be horrible. And I felt my fear hmm. and I cried. And then I sent her again hmm. with these phrases that I learned. And I let go and I thought, okay, this is probably for the best. And hmm. I didn't get them anymore. And since then, I don't take them. I didn't take them ever again. All right. When you say those phrases, are you talking about like mantras in Sanskrit or something? Or what, are, <laughs> what are these phrases or affirmations in English? They're, in Spanish, they're declarative statements yeah. that have a word that uh, stimulates the right hemisphere of the brain, a word that stimulates the left hemisphere. The right, it's stimulated with emotions, things related to emotions, creativity. Mm. The left is uh, stimulated with Philosophy, mathematics, yeah, yep. logic, and analytical things, yeah. 
And then there is a part of the phrase that addresses a false belief, a negative belief about ourselves or the world that causes stress, let's say, mm. simplifying it. And then it has a point of attention. Uh, the first three ha have a point of attention in the heart chakra, mm. in, the, in, in the middle of the chest. So it brings okay. your attention towards a place where we usually store a lot of sadness or fear and you know when you feel people have like a barrier in, in the chest mm. you know uh, if i'm explaining myself clearly but like we store a lot of emotion in the chest so you put your attention there for a second and then you let go and you don't repeat them like mantras because mantras um usually replace the thoughts yes And this one is just interrupts the thoughts. Okay. So you think it and then you allow the thoughts and then you think it again and then you allow the thoughts. Mm. So it works differently and that's why it has a different name. Mm. The name is facets. Facets? Yeah, like the facets of a diamond. Hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I don't know if you're if if you can share them like if you can give an example of one of these phrases. I can share one, and maybe people who are listening can start using it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give the number three, the facet number three, mm. um, and it starts with the word love, mm. and then the word creates, mm. and then me. So love creates me. Mm. In my perfection. Love creates me in my perfection. You think it in your mind. You don't need to believe it. You don't need to visualize it. You don't need to agree. You mm. just think it as another thought, as all the other thoughts that we have in our mind, like, my life is a disaster. I should be better at this. Love mm. creates me in my perfection. And then you put your attention in the middle of the chest. And then you let go. You let go, it means allow your mind to think whatever she wants to think. Mm. And then you think it again. Love <laughs> creates me my perfection. So you're doing it a few times every, every time? Or just so when I meditate, I use it like mm. that with eyes closed. And then when I'm during the day, once in a while, I think it. Mm. If I see that I'm thinking, I think also this thought in between. Mm. And I made it into a routine, into a habit. So I create moments of awareness during the day also. And at the beginning, it, it, I felt a lot of resistance. Because it's like, no, I don't think it's true. This is bullshit, la la la. Mm. But I did it anyway. Because I had no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is, it's interesting you say that because a lot of people in, you know, desperate situations, they, they say things like that. I had, I had no choice, but I think you did have a choice. I think you made a good choice <laughs> because you could have, you know, a lot of people would have continued either with their path or, you know, got worse somehow. So, you know, what do you think? You, th you think you made a choice? Yes, I did. Yes. Um, and I helped myself do it because uh, I was usually very, 
like I wouldn't continue thing. I would learn things and be uh, happy about it, and then I wouldn't do it anymore. Hmm. And so I knew that that was a risk. So I forced myself to go to retreats, to go to the meetings, to do the training, as mm. to make myself practice it. Mm. And, and it was a good choice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you did make a choice, and you, and you continued with it. You you continued to make that choice. Like you must have. There must have been a lot of times where it was difficult to continue to going go to those classes. And you said, once again, I will do this. <laughs> yes. This is important. Yes. Yeah. To continue practicing it. Yes. I put myself in a position in which I have to because I work with this full time. Hmm. And I teach it to my patients and I tell them all the time, you should practice every day <laughs> because this is so good. So I listen to myself and I remind myself to do it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, it's a leading by example. Like show, show them how good it is. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Uh, what you said about being afraid to let go of those pills. And there is still that this misconception or this incomplete picture of addiction. People believe it's just about physical addiction. It's like once you, once you pass the withdrawal symptoms or once the drug doesn't have such a physical hold on you the, the thought persists like you know it could be I don't know I'm, I'm uncomfortable and therefore I should take take the drug or whatever it is or you know you look in the mirror and think I, I'm you know I'm not skinny enough or something <laughs> so yeah it's, it's interesting to to acknowledge that you, you, you had that fear of letting go like it's it was your comfort zone, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared. I I guess I got some extra help. <laughs> and then and then I decided, okay, this is I just felt so much better afterwards. So I'm mm. like, I I gotta keep going. And if I forget to practice or if I let it go a little bit for a few days, you know, I we all have our Achilles tendon, Achilles heel, mm. and uh, maybe I go too much into Facebook or I eat too much, mm. but then I start practicing again and and I let it go more. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Every every time I do a morning meditation, at the end, I like to like to praise myself and and say. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. <laughs> this is a good thing for me and it's a good thing for others. I could have made an excuse. I could have said not today, but I did. I <laughs> sat and, uh, you know, make, make my life better because of that. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. About this, um, no, the no symptoms. So, so about the gastritis and, and the other things you had. So it was like those those physical problems kind of just melted away. Yes. There there is this model. Um, I, I guess a few people advocate this. And the idea is that a lot of our physical our physiological issues are just reflections of our spiritual issues. So like problems with gastritis. Some sometimes I think this woman's name is Louise Hay. Mm -hmm. She says that it's it's just a reflection of the fact that. Uh, we're not loving ourselves enough or not, not fully accepting ourselves. And that presents in, in intestinal issues, 
well, is is that what was happening, or like <laughs> in your medical perspective? <laughs> yeah, I'm a hundred percent sure about it. Yes, yes. it was. I, I had chronic fear, hmm. and that uh, caused hyperacidity in my stomach. Hmm. Ah, okay, yes. And so I had uh, constant inflammation in my stomach and acidity. And when I started practicing the system, I my nervous system relaxed. I mm. had less fear. Then I started being, like I confronted certain fears, like showing myself vulnerable, mm. crying, uh, being between quotes weak. And mm. so when I confronted those fears and I saw that nothing happened and actually people liked me more and everything was fine, then that fear went down. Mm. So I lowered my amount of fear mm. and therefore I didn't have any more of these physical symptoms. Mm. For example, the gastritis. Also, the gallbladder is more related to anger. Okay. I had a lot of repressed anger. And so by doing physical exercise regularly yeah. and punching boxing bags, pillows, screaming in pillows, running in the place, I released my anger and I didn't have any more inflammation of the gallbladder and this uh, type of re relation between physical symptoms and emotions unfelt or yeah or spiritual problems also uh, is also described by a great doctor called Rudiger Dahlke Gardalke. Rudiger Dahlke Rudiger Dahlke he's yes. German he's German He's a specialist in psychosomatic medicine. He wrote a book called Illness as a Path. Hmm. And he describes the relationship between emotional, specific emotional problems and the physical symptoms that appear. Hmm. And I read his book when I was in third uh, year of medicine and it completely changed my view of illness. Hmm. And that's one of the reasons I I uh, advocate more for terrain theory, right? Instead of germ theory. Okay, the ter terrain theory, like the idea that there are factors in our environment or in even in, in our minds that that uh, cause in our illness, in yeah. our bodies, right? Things that affect our, our bodies. Yeah, if you rather find, than just by pathogens, by bacteria and yes. viruses. Yeah. If you're healthy, if you're fine, you can be exposed. To almost any kind of germ, and you will not get sick. Right, and I know some some people might hear that and, and think, oh, that's that's you know, literally incredible. Like I will not believe that. But there there is uh, in recent years there've been a lot of studies, for example, with Wim Hof, and he he shows that through his breathing techniques, he can even be ex exposed to E. coli or other pa um, supposed pathogens. And they will basically disappear from a system, or they'll be um, dissolved into a system, and they, they won't cause any illness. Yeah, his immune system will deal with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I'm sure there's uh, many, many examples of that. Yeah. Uh, so, like reading Doctor Gerardalki or other other people there, like I imagine that there was some kind of conflict in your mind because you're dedicating yourself to medicine 
and thinking, well, this is how you heal people. This is how you get people better. And and then <laughs> you're exposed to this other worldview. Like, did you experience some cognitive dissonance? Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. The thing is that since I started medicine, I felt like an extraterrestrial <laughs> because I saw from the beginning that there were things that didn't make sense. Ah, okay. And so that's another reason why I was always looking for other types of healing methods. Because mm. I also saw that with the methods I was learning in university, the the people weren't getting better. They weren't healing. They were coming for their medication. They were getting every time worse, actually. Hmm. So it wasn't even maintaining their standard of health. It was, it yeah, I mean, the standard... It might have actually been causing them to get sick. Many of those medications were causing them so many side effects. Hmm. And my teachers would minimize the importance of that. Hmm. And also minimize the importance of healthy uh, habits mm. and maximize the importance of medication. Right. And I thought that didn't make sense. Yeah, that's absurd, really, <laughs> to think that the things we do on a daily basis don't affect our health. And we can just, what really causes health is some pharmaceutical company a pill that's been invented in the last 10 years. It's very counterintuitive to, to believe that. I have no idea how so many doctors believe this is <laughs> uh, working. And you you never really bought into that idea. Like you were always skeptical. Of that very concept. skeptical. Okay. So when some when an alternative showed its face, you're like, hmm, well, maybe there's something else on the table. Yes. And then I started using that information in that simple book. And so when I was interrogating my patients in the hospital, I would include uh, questions that had to do with their emotional stress and what, what's going on in their families and in their relationships and in their works, how they, how they were feeling. Hmm. And their answers were confirming what I had read in that book. Like, hmm. for example, someone came with a pneumonia and I would ask... Um, what happened before you got sick with pneumonia? Right. You started this like a week ago. What happened two weeks ago? Mm. And they would say, well, my dog died. Uh. Or I broke up with my husband. Or I like something that would make them sad. Mm. And then suddenly they appear with pneumonia. And it would confirm itself. Like all the time I would make these questions and the patients would confirm yeah, there is this emotion that mm. happened, this event that caused this emotion, and this illness came up. Right. Of course, there are other factors, what we eat, the, the environment, if it's clean or not. But there is one factor that is uh, basically a mystery to most doctors, and it's the emotional health of people. Hmm. And yeah, so, the, kind, the kind of compartmentalize it or trying to ignore it and you know say this they don't know what to do with it so they yes. don't even you know why would i want to know it if i'm not going to have any treatment for that right yeah well, they, these things are very difficult to quantify sometimes so, so they don't fit very well into textbooks and or into a 
scientific laboratory. So that's the, you know, because this is such a prevailing lens or way of looking at the world, those things just get put by the wayside. And, you know, depression, there are many uh, ways to um, quantify, let's say, how much depression you have or mm. how is your mood. You know, there are questionnaires. Yes, yes. Um, but the only solution that apparently is offered by the medical system is antidepressives, like pills. Yes. Um, you know, who funds this? Who funds this research? You know, <laughs> right. the makers of the pills. Yeah, they're not going to fund oh dance classes. <laughs> who makes money with that? Right. There's there's no as far as I know there's not a belly dancing uh, industrial complex <laughs> <laughs> in the perfect world. <laughs> well, um, I, uh, I don't know if. It, this is, a, and this probably isn't an easy question to answer, but I know a lot of people would hear this and they'd say, okay, so you read this book and then you, you started seeing this, these problems and asking about the causes and found that, that there were some emotions involved. And uh, if people are like on the like <laughs> hardcore rationalist reductionist mentality, what they what they immediately ask is, well, what your experience is, is confirmation bias. So you started to believe in this book and then you started to see those things everywhere. And so of course, I know this isn't a, like it's, it's not easy, even if what you're saying is absolutely accurate. It's a, like, it's not easy to, to address that. But what would you say to that? Hmm. Well, it's not that I completely believed the book. Right. I was skeptical. Yeah. And so I decided to prove to myself it, that is this real or not. Yes. And that's why I started asking questions to my patients. Makes sense. And then when they answer and they confirm like it over and over as a coincidence, hmm. they would answer this emotion is related to this illness hmm. and it would confirm what the book said. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, well, how can I deny this? Right. It, reality is proving it to me. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you, so you, yeah, you were willing to try something, come in with an open mind. You, you weren't looking to justify it, but see if it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's reasonable. Uh, here's another question about academia. So why do you think, I mean, you, you came into university and you were willing to be critical of them. You, like you told me the other day, you're a bit of a rebel. <laughs> so if someone tells you something with authority, maybe you, your natural inclination is to say, well, is it really like that? <laughs> but uh, so many people will go, they'll finish high school and go to university and they'll just buy it wholesale, so to speak. They'll just, they'll just eat it up. And whatever the professor says, that's that's what it must be, like like uh, religion, but in the you know in the <laughs> the bad form of it. Um, it's it's not easy to pin down the factors that make people follow that form of behavior. But what do you think that the factors might be? Well, um, one is that my parents were. Um, critical of the mainstream mm. um, 
my mother would say uh, they didn't have a colonized mind. They were, <laughs> <laughs> they were both uh, uh, above average intelligent. Hmm. And my mother didn't allow me to have a TV until hmm. I was 15. Right. So for entertainment, I read. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my father also was into, you know, very, very thorough analysis of reality. And I guess I was exposed to minds that were independent. Mm. <laughs> and I wasn't uh, so propagandized by the TV. Yeah. I suppose, even though I always like Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. Mm. But I guess I I didn't watch all the garbage that usually kids watch. Mm. I had more information. That was another uh, cause why I was so alone and isolated. I couldn't talk about the normal subject with all the kids. <laughs> yeah. So it had its its hard part, but it's also its benefits. And so when I came to university, I had read so much, I had experienced so much. I already spoke two languages, and um, and it, then which language? English and Spanish. Right. So English was almost like my second mother language, hmm. and so I could read from other sources, and. Um, and also feeling an, an outsider and observing a lot. I had to develop my capacity to observe hmm. uh, a lot, people, and understand. Because um, you felt like such an outsider. Because I felt an outsider and because my parents were weird hmm. <laughs> and dysfunctional. So I had to observe them to see what I had to do to get along, to... Um, and so I, my capacity of observation just developed. Hmm. Maybe that's a factor too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I can see. <laughs> yeah, if a lot of people, most most people, like this standard part of their life is to watch television. You know, at least uh, when when we were children, I guess, watch television three hours a day or so, and just passively absorb the information. Whereas with a book, of course, it does take a little more effort and, and more likely that you'll, you know, think or imagine about it. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the act of observation, like I do, I do notice uh, not a common skill and also uh, observation and, and discernment, like perspicacity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's very interesting. Cool. So, where, uh, where does the, well, I mean, the journey never really ends, but, <laughs> but you did get to a point where you, you were a healer, um, you used these methods on yourself and they, they were successful and then you went to, used them on other people. So, <laughs> what was, the, what was it like? What, what does it feel like to be a healer? It feels great. It feels amazing. And if, it makes it all worthwhile, mm. you know, all the pain and the 
um, isolation because I can understand people that are going through that very well mm. and the capacity to observe, the capacity to understand people that cannot connect with their emotions and how to get there because it, you know, it was, it's my same path. Mm. And so everything makes sense, you know, mm. now makes more sense. And it's, it feels good when people can feel better yes. because of my support. <laughs> so. Can I ask you to cl close your eyes for a moment? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Say you're, you're with a client and maybe you've been working with them for, for a few hours or maybe even a few months and, and uh, getting towards the end of the, the session and things start to click with them and you, you see you know that it's very likely that they're going to continue to get better. Maybe not even with your help, they'll continue to get better for the rest of their lives. And there is this, uh, they experience the, the kind of emotional liberation that you described earlier. And now maybe many, so many possibilities are opening up for them spiritually, mentally, and financially uh, in their relationships. What does it feel like? It feels satisfying. Yeah. It feels uh, relaxing. Yeah. Mm. It makes me happy, I guess. What is happiness, but it makes me happy, <laughs> yeah. And I can breathe deeper. <laughs> like, I'm useful, you know? Like, in, what I do is something good and it makes sense. Hmm, yeah, it is. Uh, do you have to be useful, or is it just, it's good to be useful? <laughs> um... It feels good. I don't know if I have to. Um, it's a source of um, good feelings. I don't know how to express it. Mm. I guess it's not so good to, to think, oh, I'm worthy because I am useful. Yeah. It would be better to think I'm worthy because I'm worthy. Yeah, and I can help. Because yeah. I'm worthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so far, this is uh, something that I found that makes me feel good in my life right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be useful and to be able to earn money with something that makes sense and that is beneficial and that is not feeding into cows, <laughs> but the opposite. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you close your eyes again. Yes. Tell, tell me where where you feel is like that happiness. Where in your body? In my chest. Hmm. What is it like? Is it is it is it light? Is it heavy? Is it uh, dark or? Uh, <laughs> it's, I imagine it's not dark. <laughs> uh, well. Um. 
It's like I have more space to breathe. Yeah. It it also moves me. Like I feel even a little bit sad. I don't know why. Oh, okay. I'm sometimes, because I still have a little bit of sadness, or maybe yeah. a lot, and uh, when I can relax, I can feel the sadness more easily. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> can I open my eyes or? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, curious. Okay. Yeah, maybe we could talk talk more about that another time. What do you, What do you think that? Uh, I don't know what to ask about that. Like, do you have any comment about that? That sadness you feel like? Um, I feel so many people have it mm. and we don't realize and we keep functioning. We keep trying to adapt to this world and, um, because we think that we have to go on and be strong and, or we don't have the time to feel it. Mm. And, and, uh, yeah, and I'm part of that too, you know, I still have sadness and I think many people do too yeah and do you do you think it's like is it good or bad or it's just it's just the, the way it is or the way it is for now what is it it's a symptom of how dysfunctional humanity is working right now is being right now yeah but this is a this is more a question about you oh about me yeah um, <laughs> Well, I think it's good that I can contact it. Mm. And I'm looking forward to feeling more and more relaxed so that I can cry more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so is there anything uh, maybe you'd like to tell us a bit about your services so people could contact you? Uh, are you taking new clients? I'm taking some new clients. Okay. Um, my website is myname.com. Yeah, victoriaabdelnour.com. Yes, yeah. victoriaabdelnour.com. Abdelnour is an Arabian last name and it means servant of the light. <laughs> Maybe that helps you remember. Abdelnour.com. And... If you like it, if you like what you read and you want to contact me, you just send me a message from there mm -hmm. and we'll arrange a little video chat for free to see if uh, we can work together and then maybe we work together. Yeah, good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> is, there, is there anything else you want to talk about or promote? Any, any comments? Feel your feelings. Yeah. Meditate. <laughs> Maybe learn the Isha system if you feel like it. Uh, I think that's going to improve your life enormously. Yeah. And that was it. Okay. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Victoria, for telling your story. This is fascinating, actually. It's really... <laughs> so many aspects of it are fascinating. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Maybe you can go, come back and, uh, and another time and t talk about, I don't know, another journey or <laughs> sure. anything. I would love that. Thank you.
Bye. <laughs> a beautiful thought. Thank you for listening. So I always find it so fascinating doing these interviews. The thing that comes up again and again is like, ask the question. So how did you get better from this emotional distress or this uh, emotional pattern that wasn't really working for you? So many times the, the answer is something really simple like, well, I observed. <laughs> I observed my own emotions Or in the previous interview, I really like how Georgia Cat put it when she said, well, I would sit with it and sit with the emotions. And she'd say she'd lit literally sit and observe the emotions and just gently remind herself that all things pass, that these emotions, this feeling of panic or anxiety or whatever it is, this, this too will pass because it always does. Almost without fail i don't <laughs> i don't know any emotional state which really maintains itself when you sit there and and have a look at what it's doing and uh, of course in this interview victoria talked about taking that even further and directing your mind a little bit with those beautiful phrases from the the isha system it's very interesting and it's, it sounds like it'll help guide your soul in the in the right direction because after all we are still captains of our own souls we are commanders of our own destinies i forget how that poem goes but <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying check out the the website victoria's website victoriaabdelnour.com if you want some therapy or coaching talking about your health or your physical health or emotional health She'll be able to help you with that. And yeah, I can tell I have never tried the services, but I can tell by talking to her that, that it will be money well spent. She, she's certainly very knowledgeable and knows this knowledge, not just in a theoretical way, but practically through her own journey, through, through her own use of these methods. She understands it very thoroughly, like inside and out. So check that out. And yeah, of course, check, check out my website, beautifulpodcast.com. Check out the, the older episodes. Still, you know, putting out all these wonderful interviews and, and, uh, the short podcasts and everything. So people can tune in, uh, to some of those good vibes <laughs> and figure out how to generate good vibes for themselves. So that's it. Have a wonderful day. Oh,